0: Welcome to the Voice Tech Podcast. Join me, Carl Robinson, in conversation with the world's leading voice technology experts. Discover the latest products, tools, and techniques, and learn to build the voice apps of the future.
1: If your proposition is a computer can do something, I would say, well, if machines can do it, it's a waste of people to get people to do it.
0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Voice Tech Podcast. My name's Carl Robinson, and today's topic is artificial intelligence and the future of work. So today's episode, recorded on the 14th of April 2020, contains my conversation with Byron Reese, who was until recently the CEO of GigaOM, which, as many of you will know, is a very well-respected technology publication. But Byron is a prolific author, podcaster, and futurist. And so this is a wide-ranging discussion. First of all, we talk about podcasts and flash briefings. Byron's actually the host of the Voices in AI podcast, and has a flash briefing. He has the GigaOM AI Minute podcast on Alexa. But most of the discussion centers around his new book, The Fourth Age, Conscious Computers, Smart Robots, and the Future of Humanity. So we have a discussion around how AI is different to all the previous technological revolutions, and try to answer the question about whether AI is going to take all the jobs. It's a topic that keeps coming up. We can't talk about AI without talking about whether it's going to replace everybody. So we dive into that. Byron's got a really interesting take on it. He's actually got a quiz that you can do, ByronReese.com slash quiz, to find out if AI is going to take your job. So you might want to have a go at that. But it's a really thought-provoking conversation, not least for me. I have to say, of all the interviews I've ever done, I think Byron is the guest who's put more questions to me than any other. Really had to think on my feet uh, about some big topics, maybe have some opinions crystallized that I didn't even know I had. But it was a really interesting discussion, and I think you're going to enjoy listening to it. The Score Publishing team are busy preparing to host the fantastic Digital Book World 2020. It's a three-day event that gathers together the wide world of publishing, from trade to independent, educational to corporate, as well as all the tech companies, of course, including plenty of voice tech. So it's all taking place between Monday, September the 14th, and Wednesday, September the 16th, 2020. It's happening in Nashville, Tennessee, on the beautiful campus of Vanderbilt University. Tickets include all the sessions, the workshops, keynotes, and admission to the DBW Awards, as well as two passes to DBW Global, which is a worldwide online event. So grab a ticket now at voicetechpodcast.com slash digitalbookworld. And to get 30% off the standard ticket price, just enter the code voicetechcarl at checkout. Just a quick reminder that full episodes of the VoiceTech Podcast are now only available for a limited time after release. You can get all the full episodes at voicetechpodcast.com slash pro. As a Voice Tech Pro, you get your own premium RSS feed from Patreon, which gives you access to the entire back catalogue of episodes, early access to all the new episodes, as well as exclusive interviews and bonus questions, no ads and high quality sound. Plus, you'll be helping to ensure that I can keep producing more episodes like this one. So if that sounds good to you, head over to voicetechpodcast.com pro and sign up today. I'm counting on your support. I'm very lucky to be joined on the line by none other than Byron Reese, the former CEO of GigaOM, author, podcaster, and futurist. Based in Austin, Texas, GigaOM reach more than half a million readers. They produce research, webinars, podcasts, blog on all sorts of technology trends, including voice. Byron's been uh, building and running internet and software companies for over 20 years now. He's got a number of patents, number of fantastic exits under his belt. He's also the host of the Voices in AI podcast, which we're going to talk about, and, believe it or not, has also recently written a book, The Fourth Age, Conscious Computers, Smart Robots, and the Future of Humanity. So, Byron, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks a lot for having me.
0: It is a pleasure. Yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. We've got a number of different topics we're going to talk about, AI, publishing, the future of work, general intelligence, all the rest of it. So let's just dive in, shall we? I introduce you as the former CEO of GigaOm, You have been the CEO for a long time, but recently left. Can you just give us a, a brief description of what is GigaOm and what you did there?
1: GigaOm is a technology research company. So we write about the technology trends that business leaders and the technologies that business leaders need to know about and understand.
0: Okay. So you guys are conducting research, publishing the research through a number of different channels, an I mentioned blog, podcasts. You've also got a flash briefing that we're going to talk about. Podcast or flash briefing, or both? I was a little bit confused. The GigaOM AI Minute podcast on Alexa.
1: So I do two podcasts. One is A Minute, the AI Minute. Mm -hmm. And that is little short vignettes about artificial intelligence that they run between 30 seconds and a minute and a half. And I have recorded a few hundred of those and also recorded them in video if people prefer to do it that way. And then I have a podcast called The Voices in AI, which is an hour long it's very long and dry. It's two people talking about artificial intelligence in contemplative tones and, um, and I see. <laughs> if it's not a, if it's not a topic you're fascinated by, you'll find it about as exciting as watching proverbial paint dry. But if you <laughs> are interested in AI I don't know where there's anything else like it where it's great because we live in a world where all of the people who are kind of the leaders. in in the field are accessible. It would be like 1900 and you talked to, you know, Henry Ford, you talked, you could actually talk to the people that were building the thing. And -hmm, and so, mm -hmm. so that's kind of why I did it. I wanted to kind of take a moment in time, this very special time we live in, because everything we think about artificial intelligence today is going to look very provincial when we look back on it in 10 or 15 years, we'll be like, we used to think blank and now we don't anymore. And so I wanted to kind of capture that. That's a long answer to a short question.
0: No, no, it's it's a good picture for anyone who hasn't checked it out. I highly recommend going listen to Voices and AI podcast. We follow a similar format here. We ramble on for an hour, hour and a half, and then get the editor to do all the hard work. So um, (laughs) you're in the right place. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk a little bit about voice, because obviously this is a voice tech podcast. How much of a splash of voice interfaces made in your world? Obviously, you've actively engaged with the Amazon platform, putting the, the flash briefing on there. But in general, in the publishing world, have voice interfaces made much of a splash? Are they making ripples? How have they been used at GigaOhm? What's your feeling around that?
1: I would say less so in the publishing world and more, I mean, in my own personal life, I would say they've had a a much bigger impact Mm -hmm. because because of, of what I write about. I have to have them all. Because I, I want to understand the technology. And when right. you have them all, you know, I spread them all over the house. And, my, you know, my wife, we have four kids at home, and we homeschool mm-hmm. our kids. And, and so everybody's always kind of here, and we use them a, a lot. You I, a, did uh, an article, I did an article in the early days when Alexa and – I did just did Alexa and Google Home. Mm-hmm. And I came up with about 10 questions that you would think they would answer the same. Because they're just objective, actual questions. Mm-hmm. Like, how many minutes are in a year? Who designed the American flag? And who's buried in Grant's tomb? Three of ten. And you would assume how many minutes in a year would be a question that has an objective truth to it. Right. But they gave you different answers. And then huh. with who designed the American flag, one said Betsy Ross, and one said Robert Hecht. And kind of the, the reveal on it is... The reason they give you different numbers of minutes in a year is because one is a calendar year, 365 days, and one is a solar year, 365.24 days. Likewise, with the American flag, Betsy Ross allegedly designed the original flag, but the current 50-star configuration was designed by Hecht. And so what it was to show is that they were all bad questions, is what you kind of have to come back to, because the platform... AI isn't at a place where it's like, well, wait a minute. Do you mean a solar year or right, a calendar right. year? Well, yep. hold on. Do you mean the original flag or the current flag? And so I think we're in this interesting place where the technology to do voice has outstripped the ability of the software to do interesting things with it. And I'm eager for that to catch up because if, if the software ever delivered on the claim and it, it really became a conversation when I would ask it a question, that would be great. A little piece of trivia, within an hour of me running that article, Amazon updated all their answers. Uh, Google, (laughs) because their model was different on how they get the answers, didn't. But now if you ask Alexa, who designed the American flag, she will say, well, the original one was Betsy Ross, but Mm. the current 50 star configuration. But that brute force approach isn't going to get us very far. We've got to get the AI under the voice much better.
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting example you gave. I mean, the problem is that they're giving these very definitive single answers to these questions. If you search for answers on the web, you'll get at least a few answers if you read a number of articles. But with voices, you just get that single response and you're expected to just take it as truth. But like you say, if you you qualify the answers a little bit better, add a little bit more context, a little bit more detail, then the answers can be better. They can at least be better answers to poor questions.
1: What do you think about... Do you have an opinion on the use of human voices with these devices? And things like them. In general, when you hear a device, should you know it's a device talking to you? Should it be differentiated from human voice? Or in your mind, is the ideal for it to be indistinguishable from a human?
0: I think there's two elements. I mean, there's the the naturalness, the humanness of the voice, and then there's knowing uh-huh. it wasn't a human who actually made the response. So I think having a human voice is beneficial. And I understand that studies have shown that people respond better to human voices and they're more emotive, et cetera. But I think people should know that they're not talking to a human. They're always talking to something that was designed by a human. It still contains human bias. You know, those questions and answers came from somewhere. But I don't think people like to be tricked. And at this stage, in this kind of early stage of the technology, you need to sort of build the trust in the tech, you know.
1: I agree with that, and there's no way when you're looking at that device on your countertop that you're like, "Oh my gosh, I thought there was a person in there," yeah. and there isn't. Like, but to me, I think it's a very interesting question about because you can see that, like, Amazon gave their device a human name, Alexa. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think it's supposed to harken back to the. It's got the hard X, so it's easy for it to pick it up, and it harkens back to the library at Alexandria, as I understand it. How Google that didn't I did not. give it a personification Mm -hmm. and and what's interesting you know you've got like r2d2 and c3po those characters would have a different feel to them if they were named fred and george right because yeah and i wonder about the act of naming something and embodying it and giving it an actual human voice i wonder and again this is probably one of those things that will probably be revealed to be quite provincial Mm. i wonder if that is not going to long-term be corrosive to the notion of human rights in general
0: there are certainly people who think so yeah just that there's a, certainly a movement against the name alexa in itself there's obviously a movement against uh, all these voices having female sounding voices and uh, now that people are generating these non-binary voices which i personally think is a good idea to give it the kind of sound of a robot but still with those human elements so it still sounds personable but it doesn't necessarily Sound like it's emulating, you know, a person or a character that you would find in real life, someone childlike or submissive or any of these characteristics that you you might not want to replicate in a a robot.
1: Right. You know, when Alexa starts to say something and she's rambling on about something, I just tell her to stop. You know, I just like tell her to shut up basically. Right. Do you (laughs) think that affects human interactions? Are we more inclined to cut other people off if that just becomes the norm or do you not think that's really an issue?
0: You know i I reckon it it does to a certain extent, especially if you have kids who learn from an early age that that's okay to speak to to have those kind of conversations and to the more practice you get with these kind of words, the more likely you're going to let them slip into normal conversation with real humans. It does kind of remind me a little bit of the do violent video games cause people to be violent kind of question that we've been going round and round on, and I tend to err on the side of no for that because you can tell the difference between fake on screen violence and what you know real violence actually looks like but when it comes to conversation you know given our aim is to make these conversations as lifelike as possible i'm not sure whether the boundary there is as visible as is noticeable i would be hesitant and if certainly if i had kids and they were being extra rude to a voice assistant i'd be like i (laughs) cut that out
1: yeah you know and it's interesting because we've had to claw our way as a species to get to having this notion of human rights this idea that there are things you do not do to another person no matter right. what you don't <laughs> torture them for entertainment it doesn't matter who they are or how bad they are or whatever you just don't do it because being a human ennobles you and you wonder what happens if someday you build a device that looks basically 90 percent like a human and talks 90 percent like a human and all the rest and then one day when it's not working you just throw it in the trash heap and buy a new one is that corrosive to this very fragile thing we've made that there's something uniquely special about being a human
0: right you know i mean you i was ahead. gonna say I, yeah I, way back before a few years ago i read the heart of the machine is this wonderful book that talks all about emotive machines emotional machines and after reading that book it was all it was, it was a good summary of like all the different kind of effective computing technologies that are out there at the moment and paint some examples of how they could be used and it did make me think at the end that if you do create these machines that are more personable, more natural to interact with. The number of fantastic use cases that you can use machines for will really open up, but at the same time, maybe make us appreciate us, each other as humans, because they won't be exactly human. They'll be nearly human, and maybe it's in our interest to make them nearly human, but not exactly human. (laughs) You don't want them to cross over that threshold. I'm afraid that's the end of this episode's free preview. That's right. Full episodes of the Voicetech podcast are only available for a limited period of time after their release. The full 1-hour episode is available to Voicetech Pro subscribers, along with all the other episodes we've produced. Go to voicetechpodcast.com/pro where for just a few dollars a month, you can become a Voicetech Pro and receive a range of exclusive benefits. Voicetech Pros get more content each month. You unlock access to the entire catalogue of full length episodes, including this episode. You can enjoy extra content, such as exclusive interviews just for VoiceTech Pro subscribers, plus bonus questions in the main interviews. And you also get to hear episodes sooner than everyone else, weeks ahead of their public release, in fact. VoiceTech Pros also get higher quality episodes with no ads and studio quality sound, and a chance to support the show and ensure we keep on producing more great episodes like this one. So please go to voicetechpodcast.com slash pro and become a Voicetech Pro today.